This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Bringing you a common sense and fresh perspective to creating a just society. This is Common Sense on Social Justice. You'll get equipped with the tools you need to carry out social justice right where you are. Now, here's the host of Common Sense on Social Justice, Michael Davis. And thank you so much for joining us again. I'm so glad that you are here with us on this journey as we go through the encyclical by the late Pope Benedict XVI, Charity and Truth. And today we actually finished this discussion as we finish the last chapter, chapter six, where we talk about human development and technology and also about the conclusion of the encyclical. Now, it is a snowy day here in Portland. It's very rare for Portland to get snow, but today it's a beautiful snowfall happening outside the window of the studio here up in the West Hills of Portland. And I'm glad you joined us uh, on this day. Uh, there's a lot of movies uh, about robots and machines taking over the world and making humans their slaves. Possibly The Matrix and other movies such as that present that idea. And there's a lot of talk today about artificial intelligence overtaking humans and what the limit of artificial intelligence should be. Well, interestingly enough, Pope Benedict XVI discusses human development and technology and all that could go right or go very wrong with this. So we'll be discussing that today. Now, before we get into today's talk, I wanted to share something that uh, I was reading this week that just really hit home when it comes to social justice. And it's in the Liturgy of the Hours. I practice the Liturgy of the Hours every three hours of the day. Uh, what a blessing. If you don't, at least try to do the morning and evening prayer if you can and can do that. It's, it's a very good spiritual practice, discipline to have. And I was reading uh, this week from a, some chapters called Chapters on Charity by St. Maximus the Confessor, who was an uh, abbot. And he says this. I just want to read three short paragraphs from this because it really hits home on social justice and on charity and truth. He says, charity is a right attitude of mind, which prefers nothing to the knowledge of God. If a man possess a strong attachment to the things of this earth, he cannot possess true charity for anyone who really loves God prefers to know and experience God rather than his creatures. The whole set and longing of his mind is ever directed towards God. For God is far superior to all his creation, since everything which exists has been made by God and for God. And so, in deserting God, who is beyond compare for the inferior works of creation, a man shows that he values God, the author of creation, less than the creation itself. The Lord himself reminds us, Whoever loves me will keep my commandments. And this is my commandment, that you love one another. 
So the man who does not love his neighbor does not obey God's command. But one who does not obey his command cannot love God. A man is blessed if he can love all men equally. Moreover, if he truly loves God, he must love his neighbor absolutely. Such a man cannot hoard his wealth. Rather, like God himself, he generously gives from his own resources to each man according to his needs. And there's more to this talk by St. Maximus. Uh, but um, I just hope that's a, a blessing to you and just a reminder of what it really means to be charitable and to be just. It all comes first where we put God absolutely above everything else. So we, we put God above social justice above charity. We put God above our neighbor, above our spouse, our children, everything. And then once we do that, then we can actually truly love others because that's where love begins anyways, is from the one who is love. Now, today we're getting back again to our study, technology, human development. We've talked a lot about that today from both Pope Paul VI and Pope Benedict XVI. And human development today and technology. What a very timely and and practical uh, uh, writing this is and thoughts from the late Pope. Uh, But let's begin with an important question. Is the question, why? Why? You know, too often, as the Pope brings out, we ask how when it comes to technology, and we actually should be asking why. Uh, I've discovered... uh, this in my own journey. I I got to the point where I am spiritually by asking why. So I would ask, you know, I used to be a Protestant pastor and I began asking questions. Why does scripture appear to be saying this? And my denomination appears to be saying that, or why do we emphasize some parts of scripture and ignore other parts of scripture? And then I started asking not what do Catholics believe, but why do they believe that? What do my Hindu and Buddhist and, you know, whatever brothers and sisters believe? And why do they believe that? And it allowed me to have more respect. And then I eventually came into the Catholic Church because I asked those why questions and found out the truth in the question, why? And so what the Pope brings out is that in technology, too often we focus on how can we develop technology? How does artificial intelligence work? How do computers work? And all of those things, when we should be asking, why do we need this? Does it really benefit humankind? I don't know why, but as I was studying for this, I I felt ridiculous, but there was a commercial many, many years ago uh, by Bud Bud Light, but they had this brand, form of beer out called Bud Dry, and the commercials would say, why ask why, try Bud Dry. I don't know why that commercial just bounced in my head while studying this about the question why. Well, the reason why we should ask why is because that is an important question. You want to know the real reason. You know, for example, somebody says, I love you. Well, it's a very important follow-up question to ask them, why do you love me? Do you love me because of my performance as a human being? I have a lot of people that tell me I'm amazing. I say, why am I amazing? I said, well, you're a good speaker. Or you're great with the homeless or, you know, your, your ability to communicate and think. 
But I thought to myself, well, if what if I suddenly wasn't able to do those things? What if I had a stroke and I could no longer think the way I think and communicate the way I communicate? Would you stop loving me? Because apparently that's why you think I'm amazing or why you love me. And so why is an important question. Or somebody will say, I want to be your friend. Again, why do you want to be my friend? Do I have to perform in order to maintain the friendship? Uh, what if I have a bad day? Will you still be my friend? And then again, we want to develop better technology. We need to ask the question, why do we need this? Does it benefit mankind? Or do we want to do it so that there's more government control over people? Or do we want to do it to create more money for corporations? Why? What an important question. I just got to tell you, I know that you cannot see me as I do this podcast, but the snow is really dumping outside the window now with all these Oregon fir trees out in the parking lot. Uh, beautiful scenery. I hope that if you're here in Oregon, you're able to enjoy that today. All right. Now back from the commercial. <laughs> I've seen too often with current social justice trends, a blind following of ideologies with no thought. For example, like students at universities are crammed with false ideologies and the students don't challenge their professors. Professors will say, we need socialism or communism or we need this thing and that thing and limit free speech and gun-free zones and whatever, safety zones on the campuses. And the students just mindlessly agree and then they just parrot that language out in society. When I was in college, I challenged my professors. I wasn't afraid to tick off my professors and challenge them. And by the way, a good teacher loves to be challenged because it causes both the teacher and the student to grow. When a, a student challenges me when I'm teaching maybe a seminar or something, I love it when people challenge me because it tells me they're interested and they're engaged in growth. But too many social justice movements are just mouthpieces of the government ideologies without questioning the given, quote, facts. No, we need to question, challenge, ask, why is communism preferred to capitalism? Why is socialism preferred? Why should we limit free speech? Why should we have gun-free zones? Why should we have gun rights? Why should we have freedom of the press, you know, all these things so that we can get to the truth. And then somebody will say, you should be Catholic. Why? Or you should fight for a just society. Well, why? See, because that gets you to the truth. And then once you know the truth, then you can be inspired to take action. One of the false notions, and I might offend some people with what I'm about to say, but I'm speaking from great research and experience. One of the false notions is that laws are stacked against black people, people with black uh, heritage and black skin. But I would disagree that the laws are stacked. And here's why, because every day I see I mean, with my own eyes, literally many black individuals and families walking out of the ghettos of the cities and starting a new life somewhere else. And I mean, I'm seeing people right in front of me. 
who are just done living that life of oppression and, 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 and uh, terrible education systems and poverty and gangs and violence and drugs. They're done with that in our ghettos, in our major cities, and they literally just pack up and move to the suburbs and start a new life for them and their families. Now, if the laws are stacked against black people, then how is it that so many black people I see literally almost every day just get up and leave, move to the suburbs and start a new life? You know why they're able to do that? Because the laws are not stacked against them. And they just do. They, they thrive. And they get great jobs and they get healthy environments for their families. And they live like the rest of society. You see, what we do is we take in information, and it could be false information, then we believe it, then we live our life accordingly. Yeah, I had a, a black gentleman one day who who uh, left that life in the ghettos of Portland. Moved out to the suburbs, started a new life for him and his family. And I said, what happened? And he said, for too long I believe I was being oppressed. And I realized I was just oppressing myself by believing the lie that I was being oppressed. And then he said, suddenly I just realized, oh, actually I could just get up and go start a new life somewhere else. And he did. You see, because it's a false notion. Nobody's challenging and asking, why are the laws stacked? If you ask why, then you'll find out they're actually not stacked against certain populations. It's like up in Seattle right now. The Seattle City Council just passed a measure to ban the caste system. And there are people from India speaking to the City Council of Seattle saying, what caste system are you banning? There's no caste system. There is in India, but they said, we're totally unaware here in America that there's a caste system to be banned. You see, those people are saying, why, why are you doing that? Now, when it comes to human development technology, the same thing. If Apple, Microsoft, and all of them say, hey, we want to create this new system. As the population, we say, Why? What's your motivation behind that? Is it actually helping or not with human development? Now, back to technology. We took, uh, we look too often look at how technology works again, and we need to ask why. In order to understand where technology is headed, and again, if it will bring about the common good of humanity. Now, another part of the discussion in Charity and Truth around technology is that technology can be a valuable resource to bring us closer to God, but cannot replace meditation and the work of the spirit and the work of the interior person. I mean, how many times have you found something on the Internet that propelled you forward in your spiritual life? Well, that's good use of technology. However, that cannot replace meditation and self-examination and spiritual direct, the spiritual direction of a mentor. There is something so human about being human. <laughs> to be human is not to be artificial as technology is artificial. Rather, to be human is to be organic and relational. 
I often tell people I do not, and I tell my friends this constantly, when they start texting me and having a texting conversation with me, I tell them, stop texting me and either call me so I can hear your voice or let's meet for coffee or something and talk. But stop, stop texting me. Why? Because texting is artificial. It creates a lot of misunderstandings because you can't tell the emotions behind what they're saying. And how many fights have broke out because of texting misunderstandings? So you see, texting cannot replace the relational aspect of being human. I think that texting is a cop-out. It's a lazy, cheap way to communicate because I don't have to confront myself by actually talking to you as a real human. Texting allows us to hide. So does Facebook. So does Twitter. So does emails. It allows us to hide and it creates misunderstandings. Therefore, face-to-face communication is far better. But at the very least, a phone call is good because at least you can hear the voice and what the person means behind what they're saying. The common good, relationship with each other, and relationship with God can only be accomplished through real interaction. You cannot have a relationship with God through the internet. It can only happen in meditation and prayer, reading of the scriptures. You cannot have a relationship with each other through your phones, through your computers and tablets. It can only happen face-to-face, and you cannot have a relationship with yourself and work towards the common good through artificial means of technology. Now, a final point to bring out with technology and human development is how technology and the mindset that often comes with it has reduced humans to being a series of chemical reactions. Now, what Pope Benedict XVI brings out is psychology. In psychology, he says everything ha- is, has become a chemical imbalance. So clients become, rather than humans who are struggling, become chemical imbalances that can be fixed with technology. That is with pharmaceuticals and shock therapy and all these various technologies that psychology uses. But the fact is, no, we got to look and say, here is a person who is living in a disordered manner. And has become disordered in their minds. How do we fix that? You know, I've met many people who are labeled schizophrenic. And I believe after observing them closely that they're more than likely demon possessed. Demonically possessed. Pharmaceuticals, shock therapy and all of those techniques, they can't fix that. Only God can. So if we see everything from technology, then humans are no longer humans and are thus disposable. So when we let technology run rampant and make the technology, rather than technology being a tool, we cause, uh, allow technology to be an end in itself. Then we end up with abortion, euthanasia, mass killings. Why? Because that's technology gone bad. Refining how much guns can kill. Refining new 
technology to murder humans in a, quote, legal way. That's technology gone bad. So we've got to, we must demand that technology be used only as a tool and not as an end. A tool for the real common good and to bring us closer to the truth. Now, as we come to the conclusion of charity and truth, there's a quote that Pope Benedict XVI says. He says this, and I want you to hear this. Without God, man neither knows which way to go, nor even understand who he is. Let me say that again. Without God, man neither knows which way to go, nor even understand who he is. It can be very discouraging to look at the current situation and to try to believe that humanity can reach its created potential on God. However, God promised that he will always be with us. Christ promised that whenever two or three are gathered in his name, he is with them, and this includes the work of justice. When two or three are gathered doing the work of justice in his name, he is with them. But we must remember that Christ also said, without me, you can do nothing. We cannot create a more just, more charitable world. We cannot stop the mad spin cycle that humans are on without God. It's impossible. Can't do it with technology. You can only do it with God. Charity and truth, a just world, a world of love is possible, but it begins with prayer. Before you ever go to a homeless camp and meet with the people in that camp, before you ever tackle the issues of injustices of abortion, euthanasia, mass murders, whatever it is, pray first. Pray first. Because that's where the real work begins. It begins when we humble ourselves before God, repent of our unjust ways, repent of our lack of charity and truth, then and only then can we see charity and truth become the norm in this broken world to become the norm right where we are. You've been listening to Common Sense on Social Justice with your host, Michael Davis. A common sense and fresh perspective to creating justice where you are. Share your comments and questions with Michael by emailing sjcommonsense at gmail.com. That's sjcommonsense at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MaterDayRadio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.